Hey Bulls Nation, welcome to another episode of the Rebuild the Bull podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and it's been uh, it's been a crazy few days with the Chicago Bulls because they came out of the All-Star break flat and Billy Donovan decided it was time for a change. There was a shakeup in the starting lineup during Sunday's game against the Toronto Raptors. Of course, that included moving both Kobe White and Wendell Carter Jr. to the bench and Tomas Sadoransky and Thaddeus Young to the starting lineup. Now, quick observation, and one thing that, that was positive, Wendell Carter Jr., you know, I think he's been in his own head so far this season. There's been a lot of peaks and valleys with him, but I thought he looked loose and free against the Raptors, and it was good to see. I hope he plays himself out of this funk, because coming into the season, I thought he was poised for a big breakout year under Billy Donovan. And it just hasn't come into fruition. You know, I don't know if he's still feeling the effects of, of playing under Jim Boylan and not having a system that suited his strengths. But one of the things I really liked seeing on Sunday, you know, especially in the first half, it was really prevalent, was he's able to move the ball. He was active as a passer, as a scorer. And that's what you want to see from Wendell Carter. So I hope the momentum continues. You know, Kobe White... And I said this in a tweet on Sunday morning after the change was made. I don't think Kobe White going to the bench was an indictment of Kobe White as a long-term piece. I think he actually can be a long-term piece with this team, even as a combo guard or a bench player. I think he adds immense value to this team. He just didn't seem comfortable all the time in that starting point guard role. And with this year being a year of evaluation, let's see how Kobe does coming off the bench in a more refined system with Billy Donovan. So I, I have an open mind with all of this. I'm, I'm cool with the change Billy Donovan made. And, you know, hopefully both these guys res- keep responding well to it. And who knows, maybe they'll find their way back in the starting lineup pretty soon. Um, before we get to our guest, I want to make a quick announcement. So you've kind of noticed that the podcast lately, there hasn't been a lot of episodes. To set the record straight, there's no plans to stop anything here. I'm just working on a special project, and I'm thrilled to announce that the Rebuildable Podcast is kicking off a special series in a couple of weeks. This new series is going to be called Media Matters. Media Matters. If you're somebody who really loves Chicago sports media or just media in general. You like the state of the industry. You like learning about the people that work in it. You like learning about different platforms of content. This is for you. This is an in-depth series that focuses on the past, present, and future of Chicago sports media. So we're going to feature different types of guests, people that work or have worked in television, in radio, in digital content, as reporters. We have a pretty solid guest list to kick things off. So if you follow the Rebuildable podcast on Twitter, that's at rebuild underscore a underscore bull, you'll see some of these guests that are going to kick off our series. Now, I kind of want to see how this goes. If there's a solid following, if, if there's good response from it, this is something we might continue and something I might spin off into an entirely separate podcast. But for now, it's going to be a special series 
presented by the Rebuildable Podcast. So if you follow the Rebuildable Podcast on Twitter, you've subscribed to us on all your platforms where you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, all those places. If you haven't done that yet, you should do it now. Um, But if you follow Rebuildable there, you'll get the Media Matters series. This is something I'll probably release maybe every three or four weeks. So it's not going to be consistent on a weekly basis or bi-weekly basis. It's going to be a little less frequent. But we're going to release those episodes, and I'm really looking forward to it. So again, if you really love Chicago sports, radio, uh, newspapers, you love all the different online outlets you get your sports news or you get your sports content, you know, even television, we're going to talk to those people. We're going to profile those guests, ask them how they got their start in the industry, ask them where they think the industry is going in general. Things are changing so much in media in general, but sports media really does capture it very well. And I want people to get an insight into how these people do their jobs and get their opinion on on where they think things are in the next 10 years. Because I can tell you, 10 years ago, consuming sports content, whether it was radio, news, opinion, whatever, it was different 10 years ago. And 10 years before that, it was different. So I kind of want to see where these people see the industry going forward. So again, it's a a little different. It's off the beaten path. It's not necessarily bull-centric, but something I'm passionate about. And uh, I hope any of you that are interested will will definitely give it a listen. But I do want to dive into the changes in the Bulls starting lineup and get into some other things around the team because we are coming close to the trade deadline. And like I talked about in our previous episode uh, a few weeks ago, the Bulls are sort of at this crossroads, right, of having to decide what they want to do with certain players, uh, veterans like Thad Young, with somebody like Laurie Markkinen, who is on the final year of his rookie deal and is going to hit restricted free agency. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made. So joining me to talk about that and more is Buzz from ONTAP Sportsnet. Buzz, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. Oh, of course, man. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. You said we were going to have some beers, so it's time to... Yeah. Hold on. Wait. There we go. There oh, we go. there we go. I'm out of... See, I'm out of my element. Usually, I'm pretty, you know, straight-laced. I don't drink a lot of beer during uh, during recordings, but I'm making a rare exception. Um, <laughs> I so, I see... Wait. We, we have our cameras on right now. Now, I have Coors Light. Uh, I see you You got Miller Light there? I do. That the Miller Light is my, uh, is my beer of preference. Um... My preference of beer, I guess. I, when I was growing up, I did Coors Light, and then I switched to Bud Light, and it started giving me terrible headaches. And for yeah. like the, the like the last seven years, I've been a Miller Light guy. So that's okay. I, yeah, I do Miller Light during the week, and then I'll I'll have some sour craft beers on the weekend. Definitely treat yourself on the weekends. You know, stay stay with stay with just a, a watery substance during the week. I think that's a good plan. Well, see, Coors Light Coors Light is is canned in in Milwaukee with Miller, so. You know, it's kind of kind of the same deal. You really can't go wrong with either of them. If I had a 24 rack of cores in there, I'd be drinking them just like I do the Miller Light. I mean, I I just prefer. I guess I prefer the Miller now just because it's out of habit more than anything. But cores is still good too in my book. I'm good with it. So yeah, one person that's been driving me to drink lately is is Wendell Carter Jr. So I, I guess it's apropos that we're we're having a beer here. Billy Donovan pulls the trigger. 
puts Wendell Carter Jr. on the bench with Kobe White. Uh, what was your reaction to the move when it was announced? And what did you think after the first game? Um, I guess when it was announced, I was, I guess I was really indifferent to it. Um, yeah. And, and the reason that I was indifferent to it is because like, I've kind of, I know this sounds really stupid because I cover the team every day and I've been doing it for a long time, just, you know, with on tap and doing this stuff, but I just, I'm in, I'm entrusting what Billy Donovan and Arturis and Mark Eversley are going to do here. So like, I'm, I'm just kind of more so along the lines of being like, okay, if that's what they think is best, that's what they think is best. Now I could tell you, I was disappointed because I was hoping that he would be playing better than he has been. And you have a lot of defenders. You have a lot of haters, like my co-host, bull scripted Key France Goose, whatever you want to call him. He's off yeah. that train. You know, he's off that train. hundred percent. He's gone. And I'm sitting there like, man, I was like, I've seen some flashes that are good, but listen, man, you're in your, you know, you're in year three here, you know, a, a little bit of consistent play. You played 80, what was it? Like 87 out of 147 possible games over the last two years with his injuries, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it, you come to a point where you need to show something. And, and the fact that I felt like he's lost his confidence, he's struggling within the new system. And then you have a, apologists for him saying, well, he's doing all right defensively. It's because of his teammates. Listen, man, he's losing one-on-one battles like a mug too, you know, and he's mm-hmm. not good enough offensively in my opinion to be a four in today's NBA. Now, could he improve? Could I be eating my words in a future? Absolutely. But I just don't see it right now. So if people want to compete, I think that this is the best thing for him is to regain confidence, and I think that's what you saw against uh, the Raptors uh, when he came out hot. I mean, just mm-hmm. absolutely hot. I think he had, what, nine points in the first quarter or, second, you know, in the first half or something? I mean, yeah. he was on fire. Well, and, you know, that Wendell Carter we saw off the bench was what I thought we would see this season. Active passer, looking to, you know, take advantage of mismatches down lower at the top of the key. Like, you finally saw it, and... You wonder, does does this kind of act as that, that kick in the ass that he needed to get on some type of role? I hope so, because I, like I said, I, I picked him to be like the most improved player on this team, and I've been surprised. Oh, that wasn't a I've bad pick on your end at all. I mean, I think that's a totally fair pick if you were to say, hey, I think he's going to be mm-hmm. the most improved guy on this team. You look up and down the roster. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I probably would have been right there with you with that pick. If I would have picked something like that, I probably would have said Wendell. Well, and you just looked at the even the history of Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan excels with centers that can pass from the high post. And Wendell Carter coming out of Duke, that was sort of his calling card, that he could have that ability. And you got to wonder if a lot of this is the after effect of, of having to deal with Jim Boylan. And I don't want to shit on Jim Boylan too much, but... I mean, you, he was he never really had a role offensively at all, and I, I think that's the, the issue we're starting to see. Right, and that's a good point to bring up, and, and we talk about this all the time just in our like group chats, in, in the podcast, whatever, is you're going from a guy who has battled injury his first two years in the league, right? And then when he's playing, you have a guy battling mentally because he's told not to look at the damn rim. <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you want him to do? So I get that. But the, you know, because he was a pretty aggressive at Duke, especially when Bagley, if you remember when Bagley went down, I think yep. that's when his stock really, I mean, he was already going to be a lottery pick, but I felt like it went a little bit higher when he, mm-hmm. uh, when Bagley went out at Duke. So you saw what you could do. You just had to hope it was in between the ears. And his dad actually on Twitter, I don't know if you've seen some of that stuff, but his mm-hmm. dad on Twitter was talking about like, you know, the dudes, you know, he's had 
you know, two different head coaches already. Did he have Fred? I don't think he had Fred. He did um, have Fred. He did have Fred for did. eight games. Yeah, he had Fred right. for eight games. So he had Fred, you know, um, and he had Jim. It's just not it was, the Bulls organization at that time was not stable. And and yeah, as much as I don't want to make this a Garpax hatred thing, like they just weren't stable. They couldn't find the way to put everything together. They drafted talent, but they didn't know how to put it together and make it work. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that was like the biggest thing with Wendell. I think he really did struggle from that. And that's why I kind of like, I try never to hate on him too bad. Like you see so many people, oh, he sucks. It's like, well, no, if yeah. you watch what he did last night, the talent's there. And now it's up to the Bulls and himself too. It's not all on the Bulls, but himself too, to unlock that potential. Yeah. And I think you, you made another point regarding just even on the defensive end of the floor. I think some of it was starting to spill over there. And that's a problem because when you drafted him, I think you drafted him in mind with him being a defensive stalwart at the rim. And that was starting to go away. Like we saw the Darnell Mayberry piece in the athletic about, you know, how many big men have had their way against the bulls. How many big men have had their way against Wendell Carter. And, you know, I I understand there's some of the better centers in the league, like Embiid and Jokic and Anthony Davis, but still you have to at least hold your own. If that's your, your biggest role on the team. So I, I got into a little bit of a squabble with C. Red Fred over that uh, a few weeks ago. <laughs> Who doesn't get into a squabble with C. Red Fred every now and then? Fred got so like I love Fred, and when he was, um, you know, he's doing, you know, Bullseye and all that stuff, and I, I was on the show quite consistently with him in the past. But then that was before we started doing the Bulls on Tap post games because it's mm-hmm. so hard to get on a you know to do a podcast on the night the Bulls play or you know, have someone even come on sometimes because the games end late and you just want, you want to talk more. So that's why we usually do like a weekly recap too sometimes, but I, I'd be on with Fred all the time. And I was just on the Knights of the round ball table with him. And mm. he, uh, he got into it with me a little bit too, because I said that I would, I would trade, I would trade Thad Young for an unprotected lottery pick or not. Yeah. I'm sorry. Not lottery, I'm not, I'm sorry. That, uh, unprotected first round pick i apologize yeah. not lottery i apologize and you know he was just like no they're key you know it's key to development and i'm like dude i'm like i'm telling you what when this team's competing for real for real that ain't gonna be here no and you know even like you, you kind of want to see what they could do without thad young because i you don't want thad young being your second most important piece even when you want to get to the playoffs you need you need your young studs to take you there so like zach levine clearly is your your number one horse You'd rather see Laurie Markkinen or, or Kobe White take that step and, and get you there. Um, let's let's get into Kobe White. So I uh, I mentioned that on Sunday I had tweeted about you know the, the benchings of both of them, and I said I don't think this is actually a long term indictment on Kobe White. I kind of look at it as Kobe White actually it's like house money. I think he's going to excel no matter where you put him. I. I think in the starting point guard role, it's a little bit redundant when you have a guy like Zach in the backcourt with him. I just think that Kobe is better as a spark plug coming off the bench, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I get it. He was a number seven pick, but that's a pretty good role for a number seven pick if you turn into Lou Williams or Drew Holiday and you're a combo guard. I, I see no issue with that. What's, what's your take on, on Kobe going to the bench? So Kobe coming into the season, I, I I was, I was a big advocate of him playing the point guard position. And the reason being is because I looked at this year as development, no moves were really made in the off season. Okay. So this team, and obviously COVID probably does have something to do with that to a certain extent. So 
I'm not going to put it all on AK and Mark wanting to just really watch this roster perform. I think there's a lot of different, you know, the Bulls season got cut short. A lot of people forget that. Kobe started one game before the season was cut short and people were clamoring, wanted more playing time for him. And Mm -hmm. this is the way to do it, to see what he could really do. So I was in, in my mindset, I was like, okay, they drafted him as a point guard. They want him to be a point guard. What's his best attribute? It's scoring. I know this. I understand that. But if he has talent, he can adapt get other people their looks and get his own looks. And that is something that we've seen through the duration of this season where he has struggled because I don't feel like sometimes he could put it together. Now, if you go strictly based off the numbers and you don't watch Chicago Bulls basketball, you would say, well, it's just a turnover ratio is fantastic. He, right. You know, it, it is. And it, it, he's, you know, he's averaging what, like five, six, six game. I, I, I have basketball reference up right now. I can grab, grab it real quick, but I mean, it, it's just, you know, he, yeah, it's five assists a game. So he, he can do it, man. I just feel like a guy where I'm noticing defensively he's ha- he's not there and having him with Zach. Zach's gotten better, but Zach's not a great defender either. And this yeah. is something that we talked to Joe Colley about when we were he was on our pod. We were, you know, that was one of his concerns with having Kobe and Zach together and paying Zach the max, whatever. I, I like what I've seen out of Kobe, but the fact of the matter is this far into the season after the all-star break, he has still struggled to be the guy that can get you your looks to his teammates and then create for himself. Because I feel like once again, it's an inner battle within his mind. What do I want to do? Do I want to get into my offensive set or do I want to take this dude off the dribble and try to either do a pull up or get to the rim? Yep. And that I think is a spot on analysis of Kobe white, because I feel like he's at his best when all he has to do is create his own shot. When he is looking to score first, everything comes easy to him. And I think it's when you're in that starting point guard role in this offense that Billy Donovan wants to run, I think he's always overthinking it. Like, you could tell. He seems to overthink it. But then it's almost like he gets into the rhythm of the game. Because it it seems like there's a lot of slow starts. I don't know if there's a way to back that up. I probably should have done some research before coming on here. No, you're 100% right. You're right. There's a lot of slow starts. You're right. And it's like he's got to get into that rhythm you know, scoring wise, and it usually happens when the second unit comes in or he has some overlap with with the second unit. Honestly, like I, I think this is fine for him long term and maybe he finds his way back in the starting lineup. It's it, to me it's all fluid. Like you you said, and I've said it on past episodes here, it's a season of evaluation. So just do anything you want. Like there's no rules at this point. You want to see can you have your cake and eat it too? Can you win some games and can you get some development in the process? And if you don't make the playoffs, who cares? You still, you know, this team is way better than it was a year ago. I'm so glad you said that too, because like my stance coming into the season, I said the Bulls are not going to make the playoffs. Zach will be an all-star. I, I, I and, and, and that's not because like I'm some Nostradamus or anything like that. That's just because I believed in Zach's game and the. You've watched him ascend every year. With mm-hmm. Kobe, you didn't really know what you were going to get, and I'm fine. I know they suck to talk about, but I'm so fine with like a couple point losses, man. I am. I'm okay with that because if, if they are playing well and they're not getting blown out of the court off the court by their opponent, I think it's okay. If you see these guys getting better at their craft. And like I said, Kobe has not really improved. Again, you look at the numbers, people could tell me to shut up because, you know, two to one assist turnover ratio, all that stuff. And he has shown some flashes 
of of being able to get his teammates involved with a couple double digit assist games. Like it, it it's there. It's just again, it's it, it's in his head, and that's up to a coach as like a Billy Donovan stature to try to either unlock it or make the best decision for him moving forward, which Billy feels right now that's off the bench because he could focus on basically one thing if you stagger the minutes between him and Zach, and that's to score the rock. You know, with, with this team too, and I, I, I said it earlier in our conversation, you know, I, I kind of have a similar philosophy as you. Like, I think at this point I'd rather take the close losses because I, I want to see if I can get my – take my swings in the lottery because it's supposed to be a stack lottery this year. And, you know, I'd rather be on that Phoenix Suns trek. Just barely miss. Just barely miss the playoffs. I think that would actually be a pretty feel-good scenario for Chicago. And if your young studs take you into the playoffs, totally different story. Like, if somehow Laurie Markkinen ascends down the stretch and you finally realize, well, you have a number two to Zach, I think then I would feel a little bit better. I might have a different view of that, but... I'm kind of with you. I'd rather take the close losses at this point. Yeah, I mean, they're hard to, like I said, they're hard to break down when it happens. But when you realize that there's a greater goal that can be reached, and I do believe, Matt, in my heart, that making the playoffs is good for young development. I think that builds confidence. But at the same time, you don't want to be that team that gets in and then gets out every year, you know, and that's where I struggle with with the Bulls right now is because I – I let my heart sometimes get in the way of my head and my brain. And I'm just like, damn dude, like it would be so awesome to see. They haven't made the playoffs since 2017. It wouldn't be that long of a turnaround after starting a rebuild. If they got back in, you know, Mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. But it's just right now development is key. And like you said, this, this draft, dude, um, I love college basketball. I, I, you know, I always, I'm always checking out overseas basketball to see who's going to come out and see what's going to happen. You know, even with this G league stuff now, with, with, yeah. you know, this is kind of different for us, you know, so you're seeing these guys that didn't go to call it like Kaminga or, or green or those guys, like, and they're going to come through there. They're going to come through the G league ignite. And they're going to enter that draft and they're going to be available. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a very intriguing draft. that gives me, you know, I, I, it's like almost the hype of that 2017 draft, like yeah. ball and marketing and Fultz and those guys, you know, um, Tatum, you know, so that's what I'm kind of looking forward to myself as well. It definitely has that same feel. And what we've learned the last two years is, you know, you just got to get in the lottery because those evened odds have actually changed the game completely. I mean, that's how the Bulls ended up with with Patrick Williams. They ended up in the fourth spot last year. And we saw the year before that, the lottery, the, the top three did not shake out the way you thought. So, you know, you just have to get in and you have a chance to maybe get in, into, a, you know, a top position, which would be huge for this team going forward. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. So in the short term then, I mean, it kind of based off of, I think, how we both feel here. I think I know where you're going, where you're going with this, but we got the trade deadline coming up next week. And I know there's been rumblings that Andre Drummond's been a name that's been thrown out there, which I don't know about that fit. But anyway, it's been thrown out. What do you think? Do you think the Bulls will be status quo? You think they're going to try to be active in terms of adding or even subtracting? What do you think is going to happen? They're so they're so tight-lipped. But when Billy came <laughs> out and said, you know, like, I'm going to leave those decisions up to AK and, and Mark. Everything's on the table. Like, you know, it was almost like a Chicago Bears answer. Everything's on the table. So I was just like, oh, my gosh, what are they going to yeah. do? You know, if, if I'm sitting there, I'm looking at some guys that that have potential and their value might be low. 
if a mm. pick comes in. Like I've kind of, I've, I've, I've clamored for Lonzo. I mean, all year. And just yeah. because he's improved every year he's been in the league too. I know it's not the sexy number two pick that people had expected, but he's also not been in the greatest of situations. So, you know, I just, I, I look at his defense. I look at him next to Zach. I'm intrigued by that, but also that scares me too, because he's entering restricted free agency. So you can, you know, you have someone come in there and really screw you, you know, and, and, and make you either match something or make you lose them for nothing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that's kind of concerning. Um, I guess I, again, I, I, if it was an unprotected lottery pick or lottery pick, I keep doing that an unprotected first round <laughs> pick for, um, for Thad young, I probably would take it. Um, you know, yeah. especially because his value just from, and I don't know if this is just GM's blowing smoke or whatever it is, Matt, but I mean, people are saying like, he would be a really good fit for a, a playoff team. Like he, his name is up there, which I could ag- agree with that assessment. I think he'd be a great help. But if his value is as high as some reports have suggested, they have to look. I mean, they have to. Yeah. They have to. But I guess I'm good either way. As long uh, my belief is cheesy as it is is in the front office. So if until they give me a reason to be like, oh my god, you guys suck. This is just it's same old bulls. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna support what they do. I wanna I wanna follow up on a couple of things you just said there. So most recent thing you said there about. Thad Young's value. I'm with you on getting any type of first round pick for him if it's an unprotected first. Because if I keep stacking the cupboard, it just gives me more flexibility, right? Like if if I was about to say gar packs. Oh my god, <laughs> it's wow. on your mind, man. Shit. Um, but no, it you know Eversley and and Karnaschovas, if they're looking at this and saying, all right, you know, if we can get first round pick for Thad Young. And let's say you end up in the lottery and maybe you're, you're within the top 10 or, you know, like lower end of the top 10. Now you have two picks and if you want, you can try to move up in a deeper draft class and you have the flexibility too. If you want to make other moves for maybe valuable pieces, veteran pieces, you, you can do that. And I'm all about having that flexibility, stack the cupboard with as many assets as you can and try to make your move. I feel like that's where the Bulls under Garpax, I guess that's why I had him on the brain, I feel like never got it right. Like, you should always, always have that flexibility to make the next move. Basketball, the NBA is a game of chess in the front office. You have to have as much at your disposal to make the next move. It's not about the move that's happening now. It's the move that you have to set up for a year from now or two years from now. So, like, that was always my hatred with guard packs. And I feel like this could be a front office that gets that part of, of the game. But the other point you made, Lonzo Ball. I'd be intrigued by that. Now, what would you give up, though, to get Lonzo Ball? Earlier in the season, Matt, when we were like, when, I mean, I'm sure you saw all those rumors, man. We, you and I have talked on Twitter a million times. I mean, there's, you know, there was those rumors that were flying out. Lonzo was available. And, you know, people are like, well, what would you do? What would you get for him? And I had said, I was like, wow, man, I, if it was Lowry, I probably, I probably do Lowry. I would, I, I would, I would do Lowry marketing. And I love Lowry. I got a signed Jersey hanging mm-hmm. up right there. I love the guy, <laughs> you know, but at the same time too, I know Lonzo's battled some injuries. Lowry's battled some injuries. And I just, sometimes I struggled to see Lowry's fit on the team. Mm-hmm. Now that outlook of the team could be changing right before our very eyes. We just don't see it yet. So I I don't want to sound too ignorant and be like, oh, he's not going to, you know, fit on this team long term because I know what Lowry's skill set is. We've seen him. 
I mean, his rookie year, I'm still amazed by what he did. You know, like yeah. he, he was really, really good. And I just felt like, you know, with a free flowing offense, he might be able to get there again. It's just when he can't stay on the court, it's hard to distinguish whether or not that's a possibility. Um, so I had thrown him out there. I had even thrown Wendell just in my mind, just because like, you know, I, I would like to, mm -hmm. it, it's not a, it's not a big league anymore. I know you have Jokic and I know you have Embiid, but I don't see either of those two turning into those guys, yeah. you know? So I, I kind of just wondered like, okay, Zach's our best player. And I'd like for him to be here long-term. He's 25 years old. He's improved every year he's been here. I'd like to get a complimentary piece next to him. Somebody where Zach can control the ball, how he does, and he does need to get better off ball. We all know this. But somebody who compliments him, such as Lonzo, I felt would be a great fit next to him. So that's why yep. I picked Lonzo. And, I, and and just the potential that's there, too. Lonzo's, again, he's improved every year. That was my mindset. Um, again, with his contract situation, I don't know if that is something where the new front office is going to want to take that kind of gamble. Um, yeah. On it. But I mean, at the same time, Lowry didn't sign the extension and I think he kind of shot himself in the foot because he's missed a ton of time this year. Yeah. And you know, I had this uh, discussion on, on the last episode that I would, I would consider the almost the, the head to head flip of Lowry for Lonzo. And partially because I, I guess I would rather evaluate with someone that I could see as a pure point guard next to Zach. Like, I would like to see that going down the stretch. You, you know, whether or not you decide to bring him back or not, I'd still like to see it and, and know, do we bring back Lonzo or do we try to take a swing at a big point guard or some type of point guard to pair with Zach? With Laurie, I, I was always afraid that, and I'm still kind of afraid of it, that he's going to hit the open market in some dumb GM because there there's always a bunch of dumb GMs that look at somebody like Larry and say hey with good coaching he did pretty well now we can we can keep him healthy and we can even tap more potential out of him and we'll give him 20 million I like I, something I'm afraid of like I think had he been healthy it would have been a slam dunk somebody would have given him a big deal I still think it's a possibility though the, the NBA's got a lot of dumb GMs that are willing to pay guys that are young, seven feet, a lot of money. You're absolutely right. And, that, and that's something I'm worried about uh, moving forward as well is that, you know, he, Lowry has the potential and we've seen it. And I mean, even look at what he's doing this year. Again, when you're talking about watching Chicago Bulls basketball or you're talking about looking at Chicago Bulls basketball player numbers, Lowry Markinen is a guy who's averaging 19 points a game right now. He's averaging six rebounds. He's shooting 50% from the field and 41% from downtown. Those are pretty decent numbers. Now you go into the defensive side of things, you're like, oh, <laughs> oh. So yeah. if, you have a, if you have a big that can play some defense, and that was the whole – I think that was the whole thing with Wendell. Pair Wendell next to Lowry. Cover up Lowry's weaknesses. And, mm -hmm. you know, obviously that hasn't really worked out. Uh, uh, tremendously for the Bulls thus far, but I, I can see what you're saying is that somebody's going to take a chance on them, and someone's going to give them money. One of these teams that aren't very good that need a that need to search for a spark, and that could be yep. a Lowry marketing type player. Mm -hmm. And then you got to ask yourself: Is it is it really worth twenty million? If you're the Chicago Bulls, do you want to give somebody that hasn't been able to stay healthy 
to this point, potentially 20 million a season. They got to be asking themselves that with auto right now. I mean, I know he was a trade, you know, and they're not going to buy him out. He's in a contract year and, you know, obviously you could just let him walk, but you know, right. th- that was a team in Washington that gave auto that contract. And then he got broken afterwards. Something happened where, yep. you know, his back injuries have really hampered him. It, I mean, nagging injuries as well, whether it was his ankle at that time, that elbow, you know, all these things started bothering him. And, with Lowry, it's like you kind of look at the same track record there. It's like, man, could you imagine having that on your roster right now? I know Otto gets 28 mil, but Lowry at 20 to 21 mil, and he, I, I don't know. It, it's tough. It is. And I wonder when you go into to next season, and I want to throw this out to you as we, as we kind of wrap up here. Patrick Williams, I've been impressed with him. I guess my expectations were kind of low, and then I saw him in preseason, and I think I realized, holy shit, this – I get why he had such a kind of high potential coming into the draft. I think part of us, we were, we were robbed because we didn't have a tournament last year. And I think a lot of people, you know, I know you said you watch college basketball. So I'll ask you, had we gotten a tournament last year, would Patrick Williams star have risen even higher? Would we have known why people around the league liked him? You're you're probably right. You probably hit the nail on the head that if there was a tourney last year and they got to play to their full potential there at Florida state where they're on the main stage or on television, you know, playing all these games. And yeah, you, you're probably right. The perception around him would have been different, especially for bulls fans. Cause I'm going to be honest with you right now. I, we had that draft party on, we, we did it on zoom. We live broadcasted it on uh, Twitter. We had anybody that was anybody that wanted to join could come in and join. We had like 30 people in there. We're just watching the draft together. I was so tunnel visioned for LaMelo ball. And it's not like I have an obsession with the ball brothers. I'm not trying to say it. I know it seems like that, but it was, I was so tunnel visioned for him. I didn't care about mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards. I didn't care about James Wiseman. I saw potential in LaMelo. Like I'm like, this kid's going to be a star. And I'm Same like, that's, that's what's going to happen. Then you read all these things. Well, he's not, he's not quick enough to get past the defender. His shot is broken. He can't defend on the other end. Uh, I think the best thing about having an NBA league pass I actually have Charlotte on right now (laughs) behind the computer here. Um, You saw all those question marks around him in his rookie year, not even halfway through the year, be completely thrown under the rug. He's Mm. made mistakes. He's a rookie. He's made mistakes, but that's who I wanted. So I reacted in a terrible way when Patrick Williams was drafted, which was unfair to him. I do think he has a ton of talent, no doubt about it. I do think that he could be a – a very good player moving forward for the bulls. I just struggle in my mind knowing that were we one pick away where we one yeah. pick away, were we not aggressive enough? Did we just miss out on a potential superstar where Patrick could be an all-star in the future for sure. Yeah. But did we miss out on a perennial all-star? So everything I've seen from Pat this year, dude, I, I like um, not as aggressive enough. I, I you know, I, I feel like he gets in his head a lot too, but he's been very good. And even the, uh, performance against the Raptors that he had the other night was a career high, 23 points. You know, he, he can, he can do a, a lot of it. He really can. Um, and I, I'm happy with the pick now. I just, uh, going into next season, I, I am very curious. And even the rest of this season, I'm very curious to see how he develops further. Yeah. And going back to our kind of lottery scenario, that's why I'm bringing, bringing Patrick Williams up is I wonder if, if the Bulls decide to move on from Laurie Markkinen after this season, do we get to see that next step from Patrick Williams? I think that's going to be crucial. I think we want to see, will that aggressiveness come out 
you know, at, at some point. It, it Sometimes it takes guys a while. You know, it can take guys, you know, a, a season or two to do it. The one thing with Patrick Williams that I definitely can, can tell, I mean, right off the bat, you saw this kick and play defense at a professional level. And usually if, if you have that off the starting block, it means that your floor is going to be high. So whenever you can get a player that has a high floor, that's great. But does he have the stu- superstar ceiling? I'm still not sure yet. I don't know if I want to get into the whole Kawhi, Jimmy Butler 2.0 discussion yet. I don't know that for sure. There's no evidence of that yet. It's Everybody can have their own beliefs, and that's fine. And I respect it. I'm not an expert. I'm just a guy that likes to watch basketball, you know, and I like to talk about it. But anybody saying right now is that, oh, he's giving me Kawhi vibes. It's like, why? Because they kind of have the same body type. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, yeah. those are unfair expectations on him. And I feel like that builds the pressure of what that part of the fan base wants him to be. And if he can actually deliver on, on that, that's, you're talking about yeah. a potential Hall of Fame player here. Exactly. In, in a guy that. It started every game he's been in this year. Yeah, for sure. But that's just an unfair expectation to give him with the skill set skill set that he's actually shown. I, I, I don't see that yet. I see a good player. I don't see a number two next to Zach Levine on a championship team yet. And if it is, no. the timetable's off. All right, let me end on this question for you, Buzz. We get to the off season. Ideally, what would you like to see going into 2022? What would be a dream scenario for you? 2021 free agency ain't all that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm wondering what they do. I, I, I would like to see a pure point guard and I would like to see a decision made on Lowry Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr. Who are you going to go forward with? Cause I don't think both of them are going to work next to each other. And I think that one, obviously we know for sure values himself at a very high caliber player in Lowry Markkinen where the contract he did, he did the Jimmy Butler. He bet on himself. Hasn't worked. You have Wendell Carter Jr. who values himself very high, but you're not going to keep him on the bench. That's not going to happen. It's not. And and that's where you come into the, the, the situations with Thad Young. It's like, do you, really, do you do you want Thad Young to start at your five or your four and Lowry there? Like, I do. when do you want to start competing? And that's mm-hmm. the thing. Aggressiveness is probably what's going to have to take place because it comes with the timetable. So if Zach is AK and Mark's guy, this is the guy I want to build around. This is how I want to do it. Then you need to be aggressive to get the complementary pieces and and hopefully a number two, a real mm-hmm. number two next to him. So you can really start competing in a very odd Eastern conference. I'm going to throw out an idea that, that your, your co-host throughout that, that Keith throughout and something that I kind of like, would you consider this summer seeing if you could maybe swing a deal for Carl Anthony Towns and align the two timelines of Zach and Cat because they're both roughly the same age. You might have to extend Zach to kind of make that align a little more, but is that a swing you take to try and get the next wave of talent in? Or is it a little too risky knowing Cat's deficiencies? Man, see, I know me and him have talked about that too, and he's he's a big guy on trying to take a swing for De'Aaron Fox, but Cat is probably way more likely due to the turmoil in Minnesota and how they just can never seem to get it together. I mean, if there's a – I'm not trying to be ignorant, but if there's a dumpster fire organization besides what the Bulls were, it's definitely Minnesota. Um, yeah. I, I just wouldn't want to mortgage my whole future for him, but I do like Carl Anthony Towns. And, mm-hmm. 
you know, I do think that he has matured with age. Yeah. I do think that he'd be a great piece to have here. He is a center who is a former all-star who can do it all. Um, not super efficient on the defensive end of the floor, but I mean, you could, it depends on what you're kind of running at the same time. We don't need him to be a God on the defensive end by any means necessary, but I would like to see that. And, you know, another thing with that too, is I know that Carl Anthony Towns is a highly respected player in the NBA. So that yeah. could draw in other people that want to come. And I think that with Zach being, you know, getting invited to USA basketball camp, being an all-star, that will help draw people in as well. Chicago's a great city and I'm biased as hell. It's the number one city in the world to me. Um, yeah. You know, so it, it wouldn't be something that I'd be opposed to, I guess. I just, I'd be very curious to see how they got that done. And if they took that swing, they must really believe in him and, and want to yeah. line that timetable up. Well, and to speak to the point you made about the attracting more talent, Carl Anthony Towns, I think, is definitely respected among his peers. I think Zach is getting there. And keep this in mind, Zach and, and Kat have a relationship. They both played together in, in Minnesota. They're both still kind of close. So it would be interesting. I'm, I'm just saying, if you want to take a bit of a swing and, and a risk, I, I don't see a problem with that, especially two guys that are only going to be, what, 25 next year? 26. 26 yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, too, Matt, is with, with Zach. If, if they were to make that move, that means they think Zach is the number one. I feel like you have to extend him if you do that move. Oh, 100%. You have to. You, you just have yeah. to. Because, yeah, Cat's got some, I think, a few years left on that contract. So if you extend Zach, you have now the timetables lined up. And you probably have to make one more big move, and that maybe happens 2023. And the beautiful thing about the NBA, you never know when the next superstar or all-star caliber player is going to get pissed off at their current situation. Oh, so 100%. It's always open. Absolutely. You're absolutely right by that. I mean, look at, you know, I mean, you look at the James Harden thing. I thought that I honest to God, I really didn't see him leaving. I thought he had it made in Houston. I know they were struggling, but I thought that, you know, he was going to be there long-term, you know, I mean, yeah. just the, his star power and, and, and all that. I just thought he'd be there long-term. So like you said, I mean, someone get disgruntled in a, at a drop of a dime man, and, and they want out and maybe the bulls are that team. But that also goes back to what you were saying, getting assets. Yep. To be able to make those moves so you don't completely screw yourself. And if you do get those assets, you know you're competitive and you know you are a legitimate, not playoff team, you're a legitimate championship contender. Absolutely. And going to your, your point about Thad Young, this kind of comes full circle. You know, you pull off that move for the lottery pick, or not lottery, I'm doing what you did. So yeah. <laughs> The unprotected first. You get the unprotected first, and you have your own first-round pick. Let's say Carl Anthony Thomas becomes available. Now I have two first-round picks that I can potentially include on a draft night trade if I wanted to. And I can throw in one of the young pieces. Maybe it's Wendell. I don't know who, what it would be. But if Carl Anthony Towns wants to push his way to Chicago to come play with Zach, you have to be ready. So you want to always have that flexibility for sure. So that, that's why I'm, I'm with you on that. Very important moves to make. Before I spring you loose, where can people find you on Twitter and uh, talk about OnTap Sportsnet if you can? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at Buzz on Tap on Twitter. Um, I'm a part of the Bulls on Tap podcast along with Bulls Scripted. Um, at Bulls Scripted, you can follow him at Bulls on Tap is our podcast page. Um, I, if you dig baseball, I'm a part of the Sox podcast as well at Sox on Tap. And OnTap Sportsnet is just a 
It's a Chicago sports site. Uh, we do beer reviews, like, you know, craft beer reviews. We uh, cover each and every single team. Um, we've been very fortunate uh, in the since April 2019. We've been active. We've been very fortunate with the TV appearance on CLTV before they close the doors. I, I got to go do that. We've been on 670 to score. You know, um, we, we've had a, a, a pretty good run so far in the infancy of, of the website. And uh, that's everywhere you can find me, man. You know, we have a great Bulls team. Over there, uh, Bulls guy Rob, Justin Wasick, Matt Berklin, um, Josh J. Bull Hoops from New Zealand. Uh, he, he, you know, he's a very good, good kid, good writer. Um, <laughs> he's been on the pod a, a couple of times, and uh, when I first talked with him, I'm like, man, this kid's a this kid's a savant. And I asked him, like, I was just curious, I'm like, so how how old are you? Twenty something? He's like, no, sixteen. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> him and I, I don't know how it happened, but we kind of like connected on Twitter one day. And, yeah. you know, we were just bullshitting. And I just told him, like, hey, man, I'm like, you know, why, you know, if you want to write something, you just come, you write for us if you'd like to get your thoughts down. He And he did. And we've done, you know, I hopped on a couple of his bullish episodes. He's hopped on a couple of bulls on taps. He's smart, smart kid, man. So we have a, a yeah. pretty good bulls team over there at on tap. And it's just a fun time to talk bulls basketball. We never try to big league nobody, man. We're just a couple, we're just guys with opinions. And, and we like to talk about them and write them down. Yeah, no, and they're, but they're good opinions and they're well informed. So, Keep up the great work and best of luck to you. Also, please love to have you on again in the near future. Oh, anytime, man. Anytime you want to do a post game, you know, you know, just DM me and, and hop on a post game with us. So, you know, I mean, if you watch the whole game, want to talk about what you saw, we, we're always open to have people come on and jump and give a different perspective. All right, I might take you up on that. All right, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, take care, brother. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.